Hello, welcome to It's Lainey. I'm Lainey. It's me. I'm so excited to have you here. I know it sounds like I'm angry, but I'm not mad at you. I'm just sassy as fuck and I'm ready to do this, bitch. So here's the deal. This week, I'm updating you on my stalking situation, which is thankfully de-escalated. I'm talking about the internet because I've been setting thirst traps that I didn't even know about. And this week, I'm also answering another motherfucking question. Incredible question this week. Uh, So I can't wait to really get into it with you guys. Uh, You know what? I think it's time for the show. So let's get ready right now. Everybody show business is the way to make money and feel good about yourself. This is a song of lies. Good morning. This week, to recap, I guess we better start off with a quick recap because it's been a whole week for me. And uh, the last time, time is moving very both very quickly and very slowly. I feel like I've been doing this podcast for a long time, but I guess it's only really been a month. Um, but then I also, my life has been quite accelerated as well. So um, last time I talked to everybody, I was worried that I was going to be stalked. And uh, I don't remember exactly where I left it, but essentially what I did was, uh, you know, showed these messages to my friends, to my therapist, you know, to experts, kind of shared it with a couple of people just to say, hey, if you notice anything weird or, you know, this person coming around or whatever, you know, just kind of let me know because it's I've been getting some kind of weird messages. So I kind of just put some feelers out like, hey, you know, just keep an eye on it. Like I'm keeping an eye on it. Uh, and then, you know, my friends and therapists kind of... Um, Everybody who had looked at the messages was kind of like, okay, well, it looks like he's not making threats. Like, it looks like, you know, it was like definitely a weird, crazy situation, but it was like, okay, it seems like it's going to be fine. Um, Anyway, so I blocked that number and uh, I went, I hate that I, somebody showed me how to unblock things or how to see what's been filtered. I hate that. I didn't know how and I preferred it that way. Um, But a a week or so later, I went back and looked and I had received a couple more messages from him that I hadn't seen because he was blocked and they were like, it was something like, oh, you know, something along the lines of like, oh, so you're not answering again. So I guess I'm not going to get my shirt. And I was like, and you know something else small that was like never mind it's like okay you uh, although to be fair he did really like that shirt I think I know what shirt he's referring to but it's pink it's bright pink and he didn't look that good in it I'm gonna tell you that and listen I'm not hating here I'm just saying he loved it and it didn't completely make sense like not that he can't wear pink that's excellent not that but it, it wasn't a great shirt I didn't love it you know what it doesn't matter the point is He's not getting anything back, including his time. And he is now held prisoner to the dream of me and what could have been for the rest of eternity locked in a cell underneath the earth along with the rest of Hades' creations. And he's not going to be like Persephone. He doesn't get to come out for the spring. You know when he gets to come out? In the middle of winter to shovel my driveway and eat shit, okay? That's what happens. That's what happens. That's what happens. I don't like it. I see people, man. I mean, especially when you've had a breakup, you pay a lot of attention to people's relationships. And I cannot believe that some of the things that men are getting away with out here. Some of the ways I hear people talking about men are like, oh, well, if he, you know, if he's out here fooling around on you, then you better, you know, like, 
he'll get his ass back over here and realize what's good for him. And it's like, no, 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 no. If somebody steps out of line in a way that disrespects you, in a way that says, hey, I don't care about you. Like, I don't love you enough to not do this thing that really, really fucks you up. You leave immediately. And then you watch them fucking spin their heads, spin in a circle because they didn't realize that the world didn't revolve around them or that anybody had the significance, the calm, you know, the significance, the state of mind or the courage to say, hey, fuck you, dude, fuck you. Because a lot of those people go into relationships thinking like, hey, you know, what's worked really well for me before uh, controlling other people and manipulating them based on insults and poor treatment. And it has and it's worked for them a lot of times. And that's why they're still doing it. And so the second you see that shit, you got to go, uh, uh-uh. uh, because not only have they practiced that a bunch of times so that they've gotten good at it, they've also looked at it and been like, yeah, this is going to stay. I'm not going to examine this further and think about where this may have came from, where this may have come from. And they won't stop. It's like, uh, you know, I, I think about this a lot in terms of the future, like kind of girding myself to for the situation should it arise where somebody cheats on me. Because I, I like to think about it in terms of preparation, like so that I know ahead of time, I would leave them immediately. Uh, I would, you know, because it's shit like that, like emotional abuse, like cheating on people, stuff like that. That's things that people do repetitively and they don't stop doing. So it's like the first time you do it, you're fucking out. Like, unless, I mean, you better have a good reason, but you don't. There's no good reason for that. So get the fuck out of my life. Um, I don't, I don't like that. So anyway, uh, okay, so I guess the recap is generally the weird texts were considered to be not threatening and I probably wasn't going to get followed. Um, he remained blocked. I got a few more strange texts where he was trying to get get my attention and talk to me and stuff, but I, you know, ignored them. And, um, <clears throat> and then I have since been super terrified of every unknown number that calls my phone. So I, uh, you know, resulting from that was pretty shut down emotionally, physically, and mentally. Um, everything locked up real tight, you know, like a Chinese finger trap. It just really, ooh, just really tightened up, you know? Uh, so that's, that's what my cervix is like right now. <laughs> just tight, like a Chinese finger trap. <laughs> Branching out. Um, but So I was basically trauma scared for a while. Um, What my therapist would call a state of hypervigilance accompanied by (laughs) perhaps threatening circumstances. So I was pretty freaked out. So when somebody calls me or texts me, which a lot of people, anyway, I was... Anytime I keep getting these calls or texts from strangers who I'm like, who the fuck is this? And then it's like, you know... uh, somebody trying to sell me privatized health care or a warranty for a car that I don't have or that which yeah which happens to me or for a mortgage for a home that I don't have which is like I don't need to reconsolidate it because I don't have one um or you know somebody from a job I applied to two months ago like texting me without my permission and they're like this is James and I'm like get the fuck out of here you narc ass bitch uh I don't want to hear from you (laughs) don't 
come, don't come up at me when I'm not looking. You know you didn't have, you know I don't want you to, email me like a normal fucking person. Email me. Email. Email. That is a respectful way to tell somebody, hey, is this of interest to you? Get back to me on your own time. You don't have to look at this while your children are in the swimming pool or anything. You know, email. Just That's a fucking normal thing for jobs. Don't text me. Okay, so anyway. So generally, I'm out of danger, I suppose. And I guess that's great. And I guess that's amazing. So I'm feeling incredible. I... Uh, <laughs> I think that's pretty much the recap of the situation, I guess. I don't know. I started flirting with somebody, but I'm not going to talk about it. I don't think. So let me do this as a moving forward. I'm just going to note a couple things that I saw in pop culture today, one of which being the Instagram of Jonathan Van Ness and... He's got a lot of hair. Uh, In addition to that, Britney Spears has very sad eyes. Okay. Well, I think that I have done uh, an accurate recap of that situation. Um, So I guess we'll move on. I have been getting a lot of messages on the internet and number... Well, I have been getting a lot of messages on the internet. And the first thing I have to say about that is thank you to everybody who is sending me uh, their reactions to this podcast, what what parts interest the, interested them, what parts really resonated with them, and what parts they would want to hear more about. That's been really amazing to see. And, uh, you know, it happens a few times a week, which is really incredible. Um, you know, I have some people who message me about it a lot, and then I have some people who I don't even remember where I met them along the line, or I don't, you know, remember the last time we saw each other. And, you know, I feel like it's incredible that they're listening to this thing I'm making. So thank you for that. That's amazing. Uh, In addition to that, the internet is super fucking weird and people can just send you messages whenever. And I feel, I don't know if it's because I am now single again. I think that's part of the mishmash. Probably also, you know, I'm on the internet a lot more because I am a live performer. And so especially when I'm doing a lot of that, people come up and talk to me after the performance all the time, you know, pretty much every time I do a show. And because you're there, you're in the same building. So I guess it's basically the same thing, but for the internet, because this is an audio format. So then, uh, you know, I'm when people reach out to me, they are writing to me as opposed to talking to me directly. And I think that's really... It's really crazy to realize, uh, I think because I'm trying something new, this is a different type of project than I've done in the past, that it's really crazy to see the way that it affects people, the way that people digest it, the way that people consume it, and the way that people react to it. Because with stand-up, it's immediate. You get a laugh or you don't. You see somebody's face get weird or you don't. You throw up or you don't. You know what I mean? It's just, it's it's a very immediate thing, which is one of the things that I like about it. And one of the things that can also be very addictive and hard harmful for people with uh, mood instabilities about it. Um, But I think in the course of making this podcast, I've realized that, of course, as with, uh, you know, any other form of expression, uh, the feedback is going to happen. Anyway, so 
I've been receiving. So basically, here's the thing. I feel like I'm in MySpace years now and I am figuring out the internet all over again because I feel like I'm more engaged with the internet than I have been in years. And it is quite something. It is just quite something. Surfing the web. Have you done it? Just riding the waves, getting your gigabyte on? I don't know what you guys have been doing, but there is a lot out there. It can suck up a lot of your time. It's almost useless and sometimes essential. So that's the paradigm of the internet. I don't really know what to do. It's a catch-22. Should I watch memes all day to make myself feel like I relate to others? But also, as a result, I am isolating myself from others by not going to a party and only looking at pictures of Liz Lemon eating cheese in slow motion. That's the way it is. That's the working on my night cheese. And here's the thing. First of all, amen. You know, I don't know if you watch 30. <laughs> Somebody bring me some ham. That was beautiful. I And here's the thing. So, <clears throat> Well, and, oh, pardon me, we did just have 9-11, so I guess this is a semi-appropriate time to bring this up, and maybe I've mentioned this before, but 30 Rock has been perhaps my favorite show in the history of shows, and part of that is because of my history with it, you know, like I saw it when I was a teenager, and I, you know, wasn't I wasn't a comic yet, and so I was enamored of the idea of a woman being a showrunner, of a woman being a writer, of a woman being on a show, of uh, Tina Fey's Rise to Fame, which was uh, incredible to witness because it was something that didn't have a role model for it in the past in the same sense, and I remember reading her book, um, as well as Amy's Pol- Amy Poehler's book, and, uh, you know, hearing interviews with Kristen Schaal and things like that, and essentially... Uh, you know, they would say they don't have the options that male performers have in terms of like having a family, having a normal life, making the same decisions, because unless you're super, super famous, unless you're Tina Fey, Amy Poehler famous, you can't take maternity leave from a show that you're on. They don't work with you through that. Uh, I So I remember hearing an interview from Kristen Schaal talking about that. She was like, well, I'm not having any kids because I couldn't work. So I don't have an option even. But So that show always really influenced me because the joke writing is so tight. The jokes are so quick. The show is so silly, um, but also relatable. And I, and when I rewatched it, I think a year or two ago, I rewatched the entire series and I realized it didn't particularly stand up as well post 9-11. And that's something that people always say about movies like, oh, this is a pre 9-11 movie, which is, you know, typically talks about a, you know, piece of media that's embodies a sillier more lighthearted spirit that has a little bit more faith in cooperation and the goodness of other people. I don't know if other people would uh, would support me in that assessment, but you know, you definitely, it's like when you watch a movie from the 80s and they are just making jokes about raping people constantly. If you watch any of them, you just look at it and you go, well, that's a funny prank that those frat boys pulled, but also it is rape. So it's really not funny. This movie does not hold up in a post Me Too society, which I hate it when people say it that way, because it's like, well, in the 90s, you probably shouldn't have raped anybody either. So, (laughs) you know, maybe get your shit together if you've got to call it post Me Too. Also, the whole hashtag makes it sound like it's selfish. Me too. Me too. I want more. Me, 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 me. And it's like, uh, that's not really the way. I think the there's a problem with the rhetoric in itself, because the idea of saying Me Too makes it sound like needy, makes it sound like that sounds like something where you're like, Mom, Me Too, Me Too, pay attention to me. And uh, that's not the whole deal (laughs) the whole deal with it is that i don't i don't think it should be me too it should be like well 
not me. And then like two people can tweet that, you know, it'll be, <laughs> I think it shouldn't be hashtag me too. It should be hashtag all of us, except for maybe Stacy. She stays inside a lot. Uh, you know, she's from Alaska. There aren't as many people there and she's always lived with her shed full of shotguns, you know, whatever the case may be, or, Hey, I just managed to avoid. So the hashtag should really be every hashtag everybody and then that's just about rape so that's what i propose for this show that's what i'm going to get done politically i'm just like miranda from sex in the city i'm going to be in real government you know what i mean it's crossover episode because honestly this is that's her post on that 9-11 move you know what sex in the city very pre 9-11 now post 9-11 miranda is going to be senator in a performance piece she really got serious about it and she is wearing some great outfits for it i will say um I did realize as well, uh, when you're talking about sex in the city, because I did speak to a man today, and you're welcome. No, <laughs> you're, wow, you're really pushing it, but you're welcome. Uh, so I did speak to one today, and he was fun and nice for now. Uh, so <laughs> hashtag everybody changes, hashtag not Stacy. So I was speaking to this man, and I realized that I, I was I was making a joke. Well, here's what happened. He asked he he asked me what would you what would be the first thing you would say to God if you got to heaven? And I said, "What's up, bro?" And he did not like that answer. He was like, "No, you could do better than that. Like that's silly." And I was trying to explain. Well. I mean, I'd want to be casual about God because I don't know, like, is this a wrathful God? Is this like a chill God? Like, I don't know what this dude is about. It would be like a very confusing time. So you want to be kind of silly, see how he responds. And you also want to say, like, are we going to be buddies? Like, you want to be friends kind of with your boss so, like, you get the best, like, snacks. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know what the deal is. There are a lot of parameters that I don't have uh you know, walls for in this situation? Is heaven about pleasure or is heaven about watching people on earth? I don't know. Uh, so I was like, well, okay, what do you want to, you want me to say a funnier answer? Okay. What if I, what if I went up to God and I was like, Hey, would you say you're more of a Miranda or more of a Carrie? <laughs> you know, sometimes I'm a total Samantha, but I can be a bit of a Charlotte. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Carrie in shoe season, Charlotte in the sheets, Samantha in the boardroom. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? I am aggressive, but sexually frustrated and my feet look good. Uh, additionally, I can be a Miranda, but that was one time in college and it doesn't count because it was just mouth stuff. So that's a fun joke about how gay she obviously was that then they never addressed it. But, uh, so I, that was my answer. I was like, okay, what if I went up to God and I said, Hey, are you more of a Carrie or more of a Miranda? And he said, what does that mean? And so I explained. I said, well, it's from Sex and the City. It's a pretty culturally recognizable trope. I don't really watch the show a lot, but pretty much that's a thing that people get as a reference and as a joke. Uh, and he said to me, like men always do, uh, well, do straight black men know about that and watch that show? And I said, no. And he said, then why did you think I would know? And um, I was like, stop flirting. Um but I realized I thought about it and I was like, no, it totally makes sense. I get it. He hasn't watched Sex in the City. But I did realize I was like, how do I explain this? And then I went, oh, shit. Oh, shit. 
oh shit, choosing a character from Sex and the City is like astrology for white women. It's a way of explaining your behavior that references different levels of anger, different levels of expression in terms of passion, in terms of kindness, in terms of um, erratic mood swings. So it's a way of categorizing behavior based on a template that can change over time, which is essentially just astrology. And I don't know if you guys have heard about it, but people are so fucking into astrology. It is nuts. They know every, I know, it blows your mind. So but not as much white people. And I hope that doesn't sound fucked up, but like white people until they're hippies generally don't know as much about astrology. And I think it's because of Sex and the City because I realize Sex and the City is just astrology for white women. You know, they say I'm really on a Samantha moon today. (laughs) Oh God, I'm being such a Samantha right now. Like, well, it's never going to work out because he's a, you know, he's an Adrian and he's not a Mr. Big or whatever. And it's like, well, that's the same as saying he's a Gemini moon rising and a fucking Virgo waning because girl you're a leo and you got to get your shit together you can't be working with somebody that's an earth sign i don't know if that made sense but um i assume it's i don't know astrology said me and my my ex were supposed to be a pretty good match so i don't really trust astrology um but it did say a lot of things that made sense because if you say everything at some point something that you say will resonate with people, which is what I've learned by listening to podcasts about L. Ron Hubbard. So Sex and the City, definitely the astrology of white women. Uh, it, 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 you know, it really nail. Here's what it is. It's concise. It nails down what it is to be a woman in these four archetypes. And that is slut, shopping lady, goes to church, and lesbian. Those are the four feelings you can have as a woman. It's a good way to live your life. It's like, would you buy edible panties? I don't know. Are you a Samantha? No? All right. Well, let's reconsider. Are you a Carrie and you're trying to impress somebody? Then yes. Are you a Miranda? You're not going to like that shit. You know what I mean? Are you a Charlotte? You're going to feel weird about it. It might not be worth the effort, but you might get into it, you know, but maybe take some time, get to know the guy first, because I don't want you to get too overwhelmed. You, uh, I wouldn't want you to soil your sundress, you know? So, Sex and the City. Now I'm going to have to watch all of it and and form my own religion out of it, my own astrological uh, calendar based on their their qualities. Uh, But, you know, sometimes you get a little slutty, buy some shoes, and you got to go talk to God. And you say, hey, what's up? You feel like you're a Miranda? And God's like, yeah, I'm super fucking queer. Do you even... I'm not even a dude. I don't know why people keep saying that stuff. Fuck the gender norms. I'm just trying to hang out and not shave body hair. And I'm like, amen, sister. You go, girl. I get it. Man, where's Aretha at? We're fitting a turn up. (laughs) Man, also in heaven, I drink a lot. (laughs) In heaven, I can go back to drinking. And I'm drinking like cognac and smoking a cigar and spitting on a man. Uh, (laughs) It's reflex to make that joke, but it was sad. It is a good image of me. It makes me feel like Snoop Dogg kind of. I'll have like two gold teeth and a, a hearty brown liquor and a real fucking attitude. That's what I want. That's heaven to me. <laughs> um, so I am on the internet now, which is insane. I haven't, I've been on the internet, but I feel that 
perhaps the difference is that at this point it has been around for enough of my life that I uh, can now see the changes happening and have aged out of knowing some of the things about the internet because the internet became, you know, was coming to of age as I was. And so it was pretty typical that me or people in my age bracket knew essentially what people were using the internet for, you know, like I knew what chat roulette was. I used to use AOL instant messenger. I have been to Zillow, dot com all the things that you do there uh i i know what a gif is i've seen a meme not many of them but i did i do watch ciara's butt a lot on the internet so i'm no i know that i'm using the internet right because have you ever seen that seen that ride video oh my god and god ciara mm, not that good at singing but incredible dancer the strongest thighs my favorite thing to do is just get ripped just get so high and then watch music videos it is astonishing what the human body can accomplish with a little bit of protein powder and a lot of self-hatred you can really just get jacked i love it ciara mm. shout out to my girl ciara your ass still looking good you still fly walk away from any man that tries to fight you uh and he smash him with your glutes oh butthole kill yeah <laughs> i would i should write a video game that would be incredible it would be only divas so ciara would crush people with her uh butt cheeks she would crush their skulls between her butt cheeks which is on uh, an honorable way to die share has flu powder because Cher is mysterious and she also, but the only way the flu powder works is she has to say something super bitchy because uh, she's been out here tweeting. So she's saying things like, bitch, don't walk to me. And then she blasts the flu powder and then she leaves and she's in like a Liberace palace. I don't know what Cher does. Uh, maybe she paints watercolors. You never know. Um, and in this video game, your goal is to get Nicki Minaj new implants before they... Um, burst inside of her own body so you're you're keeping you're keeping your girl safe um and you play as moesha so you're a little bit irrelevant but they still know who you are you know and i know that's not her full name her full name is brandy right that's brandy remember that show moesha Okay. I did particularly love her in the live action Cinderella. Incredible flick. You better check it out. It's a real Whoopi Goldberg is a fairy godmother. Man. Thumbs up from this pod. This this will be my recommendation section of the podcast. How can I say it's Laney approved? I'll just say it's Laney approved. Laney approved Cinderella with Brandy in it. That shit's lit. I love it. Uh Laney canceled fucking me too. I want a better name for it. I want it to sound cool. I want it to sound badass. And I want people to understand that is the, you know, hashtag me too. First of all, hashtag me too, Laney approved. Laney suggested better idea. Hashtag me too, Laney improved. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? I fixed it. You're welcome. You know, I would like some recognition for this. Could I have a Grammy? Could I have a byline in a textbook? Give me something that I can work with here, people. I'm trying to build an empire. I want to have my own FUBU. I want to have jumpsuits with my name on them. And I want them to smell like my butthole because I wore them already and they're more 
more valuable that way. You know what I'm saying? That's how you know you made it when people start buying something just because you got your sweat on it. And I got to tell you, if I can get into that business, I'm going to fucking make it because the amount that I sweat is unholy. It is ungodly. If God was a Miranda, he he wouldn't even like it, you know? Um I'm just saying, so that's maybe the way that I have to direct my career is into doing whatever I can in order to acquire a clothing line that is basically just my soiled cast aside jumpsuits that are then purchased by nice lesbians. Honestly, I would prefer it if it was nice lesbians, because, but it would probably be 40-year-old balding men with pot bellies who came to an open mic one time and tried to tell me how to write a joke better. Thank you so much, Steve. I'm so sure that your ex-wife uh, isn't missing that alimony, so you have plenty of time to stand here and talk to me about how racist jokes could actually be ironic. Get the fuck out of here with your fucking ugh, hashtag man butt. All right, so jumpsuits, Laney approved, one hundred percent. It's Laney, Laney approved. Um. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I've been on the internet and the internet is super crazy. Um, Mostly I have been on, you know, I guess let me tell you how I use the internet because I don't know how the fuck other people are using it. Let me tell you. Oh, wait. First, I'll finish what I was saying about Liz Lemon. And this is what I was saying. Uh, 30 Rock, one of my favorite shows ever. Incredible. Fantastic. Um, Doesn't work as well post 9-11 because they, you can't have as much tongue in cheek, uh, kind of civic discourse and, or, or, and, um, Parks and Rec doesn't work post Trump because they make a, they have a friendly, friendly, I wouldn't call it friendly fire because that's when you kill your friend on accident, which is like super hot, but, I would call it, you know, a friendly competition between, um, using the microcosm of local government as a way of uh, creating an allegory for larger government, but keeping it light and keeping it relatable and keep keeping it uh, and keeping the script in line with having enough heart that you can pull it off for both sides, that it's uh, it's a human thing and it's about relationships and it's about love. Uh, and that does not work post-Trump. That does not work post-Trump. I've been rewatching it. Of course, the show is incredible, but doesn't work post-Trump because basically if you try to make fun of somebody, it is, it's not okay anymore because he's stirred so much shit up. And uh, you also can't be friends with him either because he has stirred so much shit up. And, you know, it's like, what? I, I'm not allowed to be friends with this person anymore. I'm not sure why. They went to Planned Parenthood. They got a tan one time. I'm not, I don't know which thing it is that we're mad about this week. They're a little bit Mexican. They took Spanish. I don't, it's confusing. Um, I don't even know who I'm supposed to hate anymore because they've chosen so many people. So it's like, well, I might as well just hate myself. I've got a lot of practice. Um, Good self, self-deprecating self joke. Uh, Laney approved. You know what? Nobody feel bad for me. Laney approved. So I've been using the internet. And this is how I've been using the internet recently. I use Instagram a lot. I post a lot to my stories. Uh, check that out. Sometimes you see the top half of my boobs, which is what I call cleavage. I call that the top half. Some people might think of that as the bottom half and the nipple part is the top half, but that's not how I think. Uh, I think the top half is the part that's above your shirt. Let that sink in. Really think about that. 
Do you think there are fashion designers in Hollywood like, oh, Moesha, let me tailor your dress for you because I just want the top half of your boobs out, you know? Yes, 100% there are. And I hope they're coming out with the second Cinderella soon because (laughs) I would love to see that. Also, you know, though, I think that prince might have been gay. Okay. So... (laughs) You know, this podcast is about my interests. We might as well let me get into it. All right, lanyards. Let me explain. No, I'm kidding. I don't like lanyards, just bracelet raving. Okay. I'm very good at French lip bracelets. I also taught myself how to juggle from a book at a young age, and my sister can ride a unicycle. So now I'm just bragging. I still didn't even finish what I was going to say about 30 Rock. Here's what I was going to say about 30 Rock is I realized that, oh my God, ack. Kathy, Liz Lemon, eating ham. I am trying to have it all. That's what I'm, that's my mission. I am trying to have it all, just like Liz Lemon. And you know what that looks like in this year, 2018? I was about to say 2014. I don't know what the fuck year it is. I'm really confused. They made, uh, they made a sequel to Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century this year, and it's called Space Force. And I am so excited to watch it. But I'm just Liz Lemoning out here still trying to have it all. And right now in the year 2018, basically, that's just trying not to get raped. So it's pretty upsetting. But I realize this is an age-old struggle. You know, I really want a cat, but my roommate is allergic. Ack! (laughs) You know how it is. You know? You know how it is when the underwire from your bra starts poking you in the ribs and it's excruciatingly painful. So you rip out the underwire from your bra at the bar and you hand it to the bartender because you know Annie. She's chill. And you hand it to her and you say, hey, I'm sorry. I pulled the underwire out of my bra. Could you throw this into the garbage can behind the bar? And she says, you know, you know, when that happens to me, my boyfriend tries to fix it with coat hangers, which is something a lot of people have said about their boyfriends in terms of their intimate needs. But I did make the joke and let's see, is it? It's Lainey. It's up for a recount. We don't know. That's not Lainey approved yet. I can't process it. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know if I can approve of everything that I say, but I can approve of you listening to it. That's for sure. So the way I've been using the... So I'm Liz Lemoning out here. I'm waddling around. I'm trying not to fall over anymore. I've been falling over a lot. What the fuck is that shit? I'm an adult. How is that a problem? I spill a lot. I just spill a lot. Why do I spill so much? Am I busy? Am I in a hurry? Do I have bad hands? Do I think everything's slanty? I don't know. But I spill because you know what? I'm living my life. And then I walk away from it and I let it dry. Because you know what? I'm really living my life and I don't give a fuck about how it affects me or others. So here's how I've been using the internet. I do a lot of Instagram. I post to my stories a lot. I use Facebook um, maybe a couple times. uh, I use Facebook less than I used to, but it's still there. And uh, I've started tweeting again, which honestly, I'm so good at. Um, I don't know who my target audience is, but I would definitely say gay cats really are into the kind of content that I make who gay cat cats who went to like tap dancing class so that's what I'm doing on the internet um my so I can't tell which factors to isolate here because the way that people are reacting to me reaching out to me and communicating with me on the internet has changed drastically recently 
So I don't know which variables to isolate. I'm not sure. And I think it's probably a combination. So the things that I've come to so far are, you know, I had a breakup. Um, so I'm single. I'm publicly single. Um, I'm, a, I'm publicly a mental health advocate. So I guess I'll, I'll mention <clears throat> kind of what these bring with them. I'm publicly single, so men are macking on me. I'm publicly a mental health advocate, so people feel comfortable sharing when they relate to that, sharing their experiences, which is really incredible because they get to hear a little bit more about the things that I really care about and hear about the way that some people have had similar experiences to me or worse experiences or have found resources that they needed or have been denied resources. And that's, I I really like hearing that from, you know, people everywhere because it helps me learn about what the policies, what the resources are that are really affecting people, um, in their day-to-day lives. And then, you know, a lot of the times I'll bring that to my therapist and I'll talk to her and I'll say, I've been realizing that this is really hard to get. What would you say are good resources for this? Or, you know, something like that. It's some, I'm interested in learning about it. So it's really enlightening to hear what people have to say about their mental health, the way that they, the way that they interact with it themselves, the way that they feel about communicating it to others and the way that they feel about seeing it portrayed in the media. And, uh, especially somebody talking earnestly about it, which has been one of the most mind-boggling things of being a performer and talking openly and being what I would think of as probably, and I, I don't want to toot my own horn here, but I am Laney approved, um, being what I would think of as a social influencer. Like, I'm at the point now where I realize that people will look at the stuff I made. And that doesn't mean that everybody likes it. That doesn't mean that a million people will look at it, but people will look at it. And that's incredible. That's amazing in itself. And that's something that is, it blows my mind. It just blows my mind every single time. Even though it's something I've been working on for years and years and years and years, it's just, uh, it's impressive. Uh, And I don't mind saying I'm incredible and honestly, probably an angel. So I don't know if I will die, but if I do, you know, I'll do it looking good with these titties. (laughs) What's up, bitch? Dead girl with big ass titties. That is not approved by this show. I said it and it's not approved. So just, you know how I feel about it. Okay. So definitely I receive probably the bulk of my communication about being a mental health advocate. A lot of it, um, probably perhaps an equal amount, is um, the way that uh, show bookings, both me booking other people for shows as well as other people or clubs booking me for shows and um, media um, having like write-ups or me, you know, kind of promoting shows, all of that is through um, the internet. So pretty much Facebook Messenger is the most, in my experience, is the most used medium of contact communication and booking by comedians across the nation. And that's at my level, you know. Um, But definitely that's, and that's, I would love to Sometimes I I would really love to go off all social media and not have to look at it. It does connect me with people in a lot of really amazing ways. I would really love to see what my life is like without it, but I can't because that's how I do all my booking. So it's all my business. 
So people contact me, I think, because I'm publicly single. I think because I'm a mental health advocate, definitely because I'm a performer. And it's a lot of, uh, you know, kind of normal exchanges about that. Uh, And I've noticed a marked increase in contact recently. And a lot of that has been people... um, which is incredible, sending me questions for the show, which I absolutely love because the things they bring up are so amazing and they're, you know, even better than I could have imagined, even better than I could have come up with. And uh, I do say that lightly because I could come up with something better, so don't challenge me. But they send me questions. Uh, I've also started getting a lot of um, personal inquiries from men on the internet. And I don't know if it has to do with the number of selfies I'm posting where I'm in excellent outfits or if it's the fact that I was very recently single or if it's the fact that I now have a podcast and so people are hearing more from me so they feel more comfortable with me or they or, you know, my presence is kind of more um, quantifiable on the Internet as a personality or as somebody who communicates via the Internet. I think that might be a huge part of it is it places me in an online discourse course that I was not previously a part of as a live performer because a lot of the times when you try to capture a live performance, uh, be it with photography, with video, with audio, a lot of the times it doesn't amount to the sum of its parts when you see it in that form because it's, a, it's inherently a live art form. Uh, <clears throat> and I guess that meaning, you know, live stand-up comedy in general uh, because, of course, Doing a sketch is different, doing improv is different, doing radio is different, doing a podcast is different. But a lot of the things that I have leaned towards in the past have been inherently live performances that are set in the context of being a public experience. Like, for example, that's how I, you know, I studied poetry in college and that's what poetry is supposed to be. Poetry is supposed to be heard and not read. Um poetry is supposed to be within the context of, you know, hearing it read, or at least the oral tradition that's been passed down through, you know, the canon of literature throughout time. Um, You know, beat poets, uh, slam poetry, which I used to be obsessed with back when I was super, super hot. So like end of high school, beginning of college, when everybody just hits their peak and definitely doesn't have acne every day and for sure is comfortable with their weight. That's when I was really, really feeling the slam poetry. And I was, I don't want to be rude, but I was really cool. And I don't want to be exclusive, but I was really popular. So uh, not a big deal, but I did own all of Def Jam poetry on DVD. And by not a big deal, I mean, that's a huge fucking deal. What do you own on DVD? Because I bet you don't own that. And I bet you don't have a DVD. Well, if you do, I bet you don't have more than 20. Take that. Blu-ray. Blu-ray never happens. Stop trying to make Blu-ray happen. It's not going to happen. Poor Blu-ray. And I knew it. I saw it and I thought, it's not going to happen. Just like a, just like a Zune. It just, it didn't work. You saw it and you went, no, it's not going to be cool. I'm sorry. So I, anyway, I've been getting a lot more communication via the internet recently, which is crazy because it is something that you, um, you know, it's hard to 
be as accessible as you want to be, you know, as you can be when you're having a face-to-face conversation with somebody. Uh, It is cool to have the format of the written word to communicate with somebody because it gives you so much more detail, so much more description, so much more emotion than when you're having an on-the-spot conversation and you're nervous and you don't have time to think about what you're going to say. Uh, So I've heard so many insightful things from so many people, and I encourage you, please, uh, you know, let me know what you think about the podcast. I love it. And, um, you know, I've also been getting hit on and I can't tell if I'm thirst trapping or if they're just telling me I am. And I think it's both, but I am out. I am I out here, Hoen? I don't know. I'm pretty publicly angry. And I also, I do have this thing happening where, and I can't tell what the reason for it is. But now more than ever, I'm getting those, you know, when you see that button that says like you have a request, you have a message request. So it's somebody you don't know and they're trying to send it to you. And I've been getting those on Instagram from people who I'm like, I don't think I know this person at all. I don't think we've ever crossed. I think they just found my picture on the internet. And let me tell you, a man messaged me this week and he said, and I had a picture of me. It didn't even show. I had like a turtleneck on. It was over my nose. Like it didn't, all it showed was my eyes. It literally only showed my eyes and I blinked them. It was a boomerang. So like I looked amazing, but it was literally just my eyes blinking. And it, and I put a little th- a sticker on it that said anxiety. And then it was pointing at the highest end of the meter. And I got this message request and I was like, oh, I wonder what this is. Sometimes it's a comedian I performed with in another state. Sometimes it's somebody that I haven't talked to in a long time. So it's exciting. It's like you're opening a gift. It's like, ooh, it's like when you get mail, it's like, I really hope this isn't a bomb. Like, I really don't want this to be anthrax. But if it is an Amazon gift card from my grandma for my birthday that she forgot about six months ago, I'm going to fucking love that shit. If this is a tax return, yas, bitch, we going shopping. We're going to carry our shit out. Out. You know what I mean? We might go a little Samantha. Let's get some vibrators, ladies. <laughs> oh my God. Could we be sponsored by vibrators? I want to be sponsored by them and not like a specific kind, just all of them, like the board of vibrators. That's what I want. Yes. Thank you. We're putting it out into the universe. This is my intention. Um, silicone prodigies, all of you, it's happening. Um, yeah, okay, good. Yes. <laughs> Make a note of it, scribe. We must capture the vote in 2020. My only platform is just vibrators are here. And people are like, well, I don't like them. And I go, yeah, but they definitely exist. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, see, we we agree. We're really the same guy, Stuart. <laughs> but they threaten my masculinity because I feel like I could never service a woman after that robot does it. Well, then maybe you should get your shit together, Stuart, because it sounds like you're not trying very hard. <laughs> oh, Stuart, what a fucking jackass. So this guy, so yes, I have this uh, in my Instagram story. It's literally just a short video of only my eyes blinking. The rest of my face is covered by a turtleneck and I've written how anxious I am and I get a message request and I go, ooh, let's open this baby up. Maybe this is an, maybe this is somebody who's uh, sending a question to me for the show because that's super exciting. It's always really exciting when I get those. So I was like, ooh, let's see what it is. And then he said, ooh, even when you're anxious, you look like a snack. And I was like, bitch, I am not a snack. I am a meal. Do you understand me? I am the whole thing. I am a meatloaf, just like a block. Like if you eat me, you get constipated. That's what I'm trying to say to you. This is extreme. You're not playing around. This isn't like a one day situation. You got to take a month and really dig in to get used to it. Because if you're not used to eating meat, you're not going to be ready for it. Hmm. <laughs> 
Oh, God, my jumpsuit company is really going to take off. <laughs> I'm going to call it Meatloaf. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I don't really like that singer, so I won't do it. You know what? Laney disapproved. Meatloaf. Don't care for him. Don't care for him. You know what? Feel free to argue me if you wish. You can reach me on Twitter at itlaney, uh, which is my accidental <laughs> handle. L-A-I-N-I-E. It. Laney. I, I think I couldn't do just Laney either. So it's like, I went through all the options. It's like, because it was always Laney Leonard. So last name seems to be a real stumbling block for people. And it does have a Z in it. But dear God, people, it's German. It's not that crazy. Uh, boy. But... Yeah, tweet me at itlaney if you want to talk about the pros and cons of meatloaf because I would love to hear if you have a an argument. And yes, I know he was in Rocky Horror Picture Show. And yes, that was fun. But you know what? What the fuck is his deal? I don't get it. I don't like it. I don't like how many curtains waving in the breeze there are in his videos. I hate that. So people have been hollering at me, though, and I... Sometimes it works to your advantage. It's it's a different difficult thing to navigate too because as an adult it's going to happen to you. If you're an adult woman on the internet and if you're a child woman on the internet, uh which I think is called a girl, uh you're going to get messages. You're going to get messages from pervs and you're also going to get messages from nice people. Um so it's weird. I wonder if I should have some rules about it for myself like I mean, I guess there are general rules that, you know, like don't give out your address to a stranger from Alabama. That's a good rule. Uh, that Don't worry. That's That sounds very specific. I didn't do that. That's not something that's come up. But, you know, in the context of Internet conversation, you know, don't let somebody offer you cookies and you're going to get to catch a predator. You know, there are just some rules to the Internet that we have to that are standard. But somebody responded to a picture of mine this week and they wrote to me and they were like, you out here thirst trapping? And I was like, why are you thirsty? Because I like this guy. I was like, I'm into it. Let's do this. But, oh man, I shouldn't have said that. That encourages people to be like, Ooh, you trapping girl. Woo!" <laughs> but I looked at it and I was like, I don't know if I was, I think I was, but maybe I wasn't because he defined it to me. He said, well, a thirst trap is really, <laughs> maybe he was trying to twist it, but he was like, it's a compliment. It just means like it's a nice picture and it gets people's attention. So it's not. And so I was like, oh my God, I could, you could be setting thirst traps without knowing about it. You could be starting a real draught up in this bitch without even having any idea, you know? First of all, you know why? Because you're not starting the draught. Those people are already experiencing their draught. This is like California. They got a meter out the water and then you're over here at a water fountain just sitting at Niagara Falls drinking it and standing in front of it. And they're like, man, that bitch is wet as fuck. I'm so dry. I got to get it in there. So that's my assessment of thirst trapping. I think that's what's happening. And I will tell you this. I am proud of it. I think it's going great. I think it's sometimes unintentional. I think that people better be nice to me and they better be appropriate and they better be kind, which they generally have so far. And also, if you're going to say something, you better... Be nice, just like I said before. Being nice, Laney approved. That's a good go-ahead. Yes, do that. Land the plane, sir. Very kind of you. And you're not aggressively asking me for favors or information about my life that would be dangerous for me to give out? Excellent. Perfect. Then I love that. You're sharing your emotions about the content that I have created? Good. I hope that... I was going to say it's not for you, but you know what it is? It is, because my... 
We were talking about this before the show, but <clears throat> it is surprising that any men have ever listened to this show or, frankly, to me talking. It's very angry. I make it very clear that it's not for them. <laughs> yeah. Aaron's nodding his head as if to say, I feel bad even seeing you. <laughs> but we have great conversations. Aaron, you're you're a gem. You can, uh, I'll make you a thirst trap. Ooh, that'd be good. <laughs> That'll be the that'll be the fundraiser someday. We're going to put you in short shorts and you're going to stand behind a car and you're going to pretend like you're washing it and then I'll stand next to you in a turtleneck and be like donate to the show. <laughs> Aaron's putting in a lot of work for this. So, I don't know where this new adventure is going to take me. Who knows what gifts I'm going to receive in the term of message requ- in the in the course of message requests, but I hope a lot of them are questions and I hope a lot of them are not dicks and I shouldn't have even said that because now I'm worried I'll get them. So that's terrifying, but don't send those to me. Really don't. Please do not. I'm not saying it a lot because I want you to. I'm saying it because don't. So I I really talk and just keep it keeps coming out and it's been like this and it will remain this way and I have not taken Ritalin recently so so the internet's really getting in touch with me and it is crazy it's like an alien race is reaching out to me and I don't know what's going to come back yet I think it'll be a little delay on the satellites but I'm waiting to see if they got my uh my old uh uh Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers DVDs. I want them to serve VHSs. I want to see what the aliens thought of that. And then uh, they're going to send me back a message. It's probably going to be foreign. It's probably going to be a couple bleep bloops and some shapes I don't understand, but I'm happy for them. I'm glad we're opening up the lines of communication. Uh, I want us to understand one another. I want us to be not at war. And, uh, you know, most of all, I want to be in charge of everything. (laughs) The... Yeah, I mean, that being said, it is always it, it stunned Aaron that any men had listened to this podcast. And I, I concurred. It is pretty surprising to me at all times. I was telling him that when I started doing comedy at the age of 22, which I should talk about because it was a super fucked up time to start doing comedy. And it was a super fucked up world to be in as a 22 year old. But I guess the whole world's fucked up. So what are you going to do? Uh, you know, middle aged men are going to try to cheat on their wives with you. And you're going to have to tell them w- what part of you would be interesting to me. You'd have very little money. You have a wife. You have a child. You don't look that good. You're in your 40s. I'm like 22. I could fuck anyone. Also, I'm like very naive. So it's like, number one, pretty easy to trick me and you're not doing it because this is ridiculous. And number two, you know, I still believe in like the good of the universe. So basically I'm, you know, ripe for the picking right now and you're striking out, buddy. So let's move it along. Get on a get on a different truck to Colorado. Yeah, no, but I thought when I started comedy that my comedy would never be for men. But I think, and I do have a large number of followers who are women and gay men, you know, uh, or people who are not cishets white men. Um, But I think also that I'm starting to get to a point in my life where I realize that the things that I am saying are engaging to a lot of different types of people. And uh, it's really fascinating to see the types of people that react and the types of people that I'm not expecting to react. That is incredible to see because it means you're 
relating to somebody that you wouldn't have normally talked to. You're relating to somebody that you wouldn't have had something to talk about with before, and you're relating to them on an emotional level. So it makes me feel like I'm learning something about the world, honestly. So it's exciting. We'll see who listens next. Maybe Bette Midler. That's what I'm shooting for. I want a vibrator sponsorship, and I want Bette Midler to listen to this podcast. That's what I want. And I want her to do it while wearing her Hocus Pocus dress. That is a bonus. I understand that's a big reach. That's too much to ask. But Bette Midler, check me out. <laughs> Girl, <laughs> are you a Miranda? I didn't think so. You're a redhead, but you're more of a Samantha. <laughs> I don't know. She doesn't get Bette Midler. I don't, I don't get it. Maybe she's a... You know, there are some flaws in this white woman astrology plan, but I'm working it out because <laughs> everybody always is like kind of a Carrie because she's the protagonist. Nobody wants to be a Charlotte. She's super lame. Samantha loves sex, which is dope, but she, that's just a two-dimensional thing about her. And then Miranda's just super gay. So that's the thing about her. So Bette Midler's probably like a... She's probably like a... Like a Miranda but with like a carry work ethic, but also not gay. So I've diagnosed her. We're working on it. But yeah, this contact has been fascinating and uh, I'm doing a sociological study, I guess. So if you want to be part of the sociological study, send me <laughs> your, your, your first name or your nickname as well as your age and the thing that you like most about me. <laughs> Is that a good sociological study to do? Probably not. Or tell me your favorite hobby or thing that your mom ever said. I don't know. Well, I'll make a graph. I'll make a graph of it. Uh, I do science. Yeah, so the internet's really been getting at me. That's been exciting. I do love to engage with the trolls. I do like to see them out here. I like to see that they're still living their best troll lives, you know? They're not stuck under a bridge anymore. They're allowed out in the open, just in the comment sections. And I will tell you, I do not go to Reddit, but I do know what it is. I've never been to 4chan, but I understand it. I don't know about the dark web, but it did steal my email address. That's all I'm saying. I know. I'm hip with the times. I get what's going on. I know what Bitcoin is, and I know that you could use it to buy sex. So I'm pretty cool. Not trying to brag, but I am trying to boast. So just FYI, <laughs> sex for money, Lainey approved. <laughs> <laughs> upon recognition of consent uh, consent from both parties <laughs> send me some bitcoin i'll show you my teeth <laughs> i would be such a bad prostitute i'd be like can i have 20 dollars for my toenail clippings <laughs> Maybe somebody would be into that. I want to do that. I want to be like a bad cam girl where I'm like, you can see the around outside part of my boob. No nipple. If you send me three baby strollers and a gift card for AMC theaters. <laughs> I don't have any babies. I just know those strollers are worth money. You know, <laughs> they're so high tech now. I'd be like, do you want to see the natural part to my hairline? Well, here's what you, the, all you got to do is swipe up and then send me $200. Pretty good deal, right? And then I do like a slurping face that's obviously has no idea. And everybody's like, oh my God, turn it off. But also, wow, this is really weird. I wonder what it is. And then they turn it off because they get sad. 
That's good. I'm going to keep I'm going to keep working on my menu of services there. For $20, you can for sure see my teeth. Um You know what I'll even say? I'm I'll even go this far and maybe I'll regret it, but I'll go this far. I'm going to say if you send me $20, I'll give you a smile. People generally don't like it when women generally don't like it when people ask you to smile. And I'm going to say, if you pay for that service, if you send me $20, I will smile for you. And uh I don't know I just do need money because I do hate my job and I do love making things and it is so, so hard. So send me $20 and I'll definitely show you my teeth. <laughs> you, If you want tongue, you got to do like, it's like triple that, you know, <laughs> but it's just my tongue. There's no teeth and no lips. Lips are, they come at a premium. You know what I'm saying? That must have been the hardest part of Frankenstein's monster was getting the lips right. What a delicate process, you know, because I'm sure that that, they're the first to go, you know, just real, a lot of tissue and uh, the eyeballs, those must have been difficult too. He had that bolt through his neck, which I don't even know what that was for. I hope he had a bolt. His dick must have been just a mess. Have you ever thought about that Frankenstein's monster? His dick must have been just a mess. And also, if you had sex with him, is it considered necrophilia? or is it considered bad form you're i i don't know i think he sounds like a great guy i love a man who's afraid of fire i don't know if we have a name for this segment but guess what it's time for the motherfucking question are you ready it's time for the motherfucking question yeah yeah party Woo! I did a keg stand once and I was real worried. I wish I had done it more times. That would have been cool. I want to feel cool. So it's time for the question. And here's the, uh, this time I asked a question and this is what I said to my Instagram followers. I said, hey, what do you want to hear about on the podcast? What do you want to hear me talk about? What would you be interested in? What questions do you have? And I got one back. And so next time I expect three questions because that is really rude. I'd really have a lot of people I'm talking to. So I would really like you to answer me. It's kind of awkward. But the one that I did get was incredible and something that I think about and communicate about with people a lot. So this person asked me, uh, basically brought up the topic of sex on meds for women, uh, meaning in the context, I will take it. Typically, that means antidepressants. It can mean a lot of different types of medications, I'm sure. And um, I'm affected by a lot of different types of medications. But typically, it means uh, sex on antidepressants. And specifically for women, uh, she brought up uh, basically the thing that most people I think what the commonly held belief about sex on meds is, which, uh, you know, I have been hearing about it for before I was even on medication because comics generally have a lot of weak boners because they're on antidepressants because they're super depressed. Now, I don't want them to be an insult. (laughs) They maybe don't, but people talk about it. It's a funny topic. People talk about it. I knew about it, but mostly people know about it in terms of men. Uh, So I think the generally held belief, understanding, or kind of pervasive thought in today's culture is essentially, well, women don't have trouble with that, right? Because they don't have a boner, so there's nothing to like not go up, which is ludicrous. 
I'm going to tell you right now, that shit's bumping because it is ludicrous. I was trying to make a better play on words, but I can't remember the lyrics to any of his songs. Uh, what was a good one of his songs? I don't know. That shit's Fast and Furious, just like Vin Diesel, because Ludacris was also in the Fast and Furious movies. Um, Now, did he sing that song, I Wanna Lick, 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 Lick You From Your Head? I think he did, and my ex did sing that entire song and made us sit in the car to hear the end of it, so I know that he was weird. (laughs) Who knows all the words to that song? Not me, but good for you. You know what? Learning the words to a song is fun. It's empowering. It lets you have a feeling. It lets you express yourself. And I think everybody should be able to do that. Everybody, except for the people I don't like and the people who make bad decisions and are horrible. So like Nazis shouldn't express themselves. Uh, (laughs) Definitely not. Racist, please don't. I mean, same thing, but don't express yourself. I don't need any paintings from you. I don't want you to make music. I don't think you should be talking really just sit down and eat cake and just stay there until you can handle yourself in public ralph (sighs) put on a new flannel every day and just let that be the the your walden just let that be your walden pond you can really come to think about it later so the generally held belief uh according to what i've kind of seen in the cultural zeitgeist is that This is something that doesn't affect women. This is something that people don't think of as affecting women. And it's something that people don't think of a lot in general. For people who are kind of familiar with depression as well as other types of mental health issues and different types of uh, side effects of medications, they probably know, at least for men, that a lot of antidepressants have a act as a sexual suppressant. So, and... Let me preface this as well by saying I am not a doctor. I am not a professional. I know things based on my own experience, based on what my doctors have told me, based on the information that I've gathered, that I've heard from other people, that I've listened to, and that I've asked about. That being said, I am in no way an an expert. Obviously, you know, seek medical advice for anything that is about your dong or or your junk, lady junk. And... um, I think that's pretty much well understood, but I will just say, don't go to Dr. Phil if you have an ulcer. You know what I mean? I'm the Dr. Phil in this situation. So he can't do shit for you. He's fun to watch. You like hearing him talk, but he's a jackass. So that's me in this scenario. That being said, I'm incredible and I'm going to keep talking about it. So generally, I think people either don't think about it or they think about it in terms of male impotence, essentially, which is something that is terrifying to the universe. Oh, no. Oh, my God. The fact that somebody could miss a boner for one one day. Oh, my God. What a drastic thing. I have noticed as well from having sex with men that it is just such a big thing. And I don't mean your penis. <laughs> uh, but I do mean that the... Uh, Pressure in terms of performing sexually, definitely a lot of that weight can traditionally fall upon men and affect, you know, levels of anxiety, affect levels of connection, affect the way that you communicate with somebody. And I think it's a pressure that is different for women and men Uh, in terms of, again, the relationships I have. I date men in a heteronormative way generally. 
So my experience isn't everybody's experience. But it is something that, you know, kind of blows my mind because it's like that can be a big deal for people's confidence. That can be really vulnerable. That can be really um, scary for people to experience. And it's not a big deal. So here's what I want to say. If you get worried because sometimes your boner doesn't work, just know that it's just like sometimes the Chinese food takes 50 minutes to get here and sometimes it takes 20 minutes. You know, it's like we're going to eat either way. I'm not worried about it. Like we could just watch a movie for like a hot minute. It'll be fine. So just keep that with you always. If you have erectile dysfunction, just know I got your back. There's Kung Pao chicken on the way. <laughs> and that's what I call my puss. <laughs> so a lot of medications have sexual side effects. Like I was saying, probably the most known one is antidepressants. And I'll take a guess at what the reason is for it, but I'm not completely sure. Uh, Definitely antidepressants are designed to shut down some of the panic systems in your body because you are operating at seven alarms at all times when it's really just time to eat cupcakes. It's not a big deal. You should be fine. Uh, Additionally, of course, when you, a lot of the time when you are depressed, it affects your sex drive as well as your sexual performance. And that is, I guess, kind of the twofold thing that comes with medication, which is that, uh, you know, your re- your medical re- your physical reaction to your medication can probably be categorized in two ways, which are your physical experience as well as your mental experience. Because when you're depressed, you don't want to have as much sex. Maybe if you're anxious or hyped up or you're like kind of desperate, maybe you want to have more sex. But essentially, you know, when you're depressed, you don't feel as sexy. You don't want to have as much sex. But taking antidepressants suppresses your sex drive. It makes you want it less. It makes you think about it less. It makes you uh, forget about it a little bit more. And which brings about the classic comedian joke uh, that I've heard many a time. Essentially, it's like, well, I can either be depressed or my, I can either be depressed with a dick that works or I can be uh, less depressed, but my dick doesn't work. So it's like, what's the point of even, it's like, well, I might as well be depressed because I can't do this either way. You know, it's a real catch 22 fun joke. But uh, the thing is it, it happens for women as well. So being on a standard antidepressant, I guess I'll just say this is what my experience with it has been, which is that being on a standard antidepressant, so uh, Celexa, which is pretty similar chemically to Lexapro, but pretty standard one. Um, I think it acts on, it acts on, it's SSRI, so it acts on serotonin. So serotonin reuptake inhibitor, which means that you, it blocks the neurons in your brain that are supposed to absorb the serotonin that is sent out as a signal because you don't have enough serotonin in your brain. So they block it so that it stays floating around in your brain a little bit longer so that you feel better. You don't feel as fucked up. Your chemical imbalance is treated effectively. It, it just doesn't let it kind of suck it out of your brain as quickly. <clears throat> just like aliens, you know, when they come and suck, suck our brains out. So that's, you know, a pretty classic uh, antidepressant SSRIs. And obviously, I don't know all the chemical reasons. I don't know all the medical reasons. But for whatever reason, those reduce sex drive and they also reduce physical sensitivity, which for men comes in the form of, you know, obviously lessened like 
probably frequency of erections as well as intensity of erections. I don't know. I don't know how you rate that, but it would be dope, like a monster truck rally to be like, my erections at 11! Boom, boom, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday! And that's what I'm now going to do as a mating call. Uh, I think one of the... So that's, you know, pretty in line with a lot of the things that I have heard from my male friends who take antidepressants and who have experienced kind of side effects. I, on an SSRI, also experience, and it's pretty, it's pretty blatant and obvious. When I, like if I stop taking my antidepressants for, you know, two days, three days, I feel like shit. I am so sad because also you're not supposed to just go off on cold turkey. You know, it'll fuck you up, you know, so I'm just weeping. But I am great at sex. I'm super horny and I know what's going on. But what happens is that, you know, first of all, it's silly to not think that this would affect women because women also have... uh, also have a spectrum of sensitivity that they can experience. Uh, You know, there's also like a lot of blood going into uh, clitoral stimulation. And it doesn't make sense to assume that this would happen to men and not women. And it pretty much reinforces the myth that sex is essentially for male pleasure and disregards all of the woman's experience. It's, uh, you know, basically it's represented as kind of a male activity that is built for men to finish. And it's like, listen, if you finish the race, but you didn't run a marathon, did you really do it right? I don't think so. You know, if you came here and you finished a sprint, but you were registered for a marathon, you still look like an asshole. So maybe do some training before you come to me trying to get a number that you can staple on your jersey. You know what I'm talking about? You're not 28 anymore. Now you're 69, 69, 420. Fuck you. Get away from me. And that's your fun screen name. (laughs) Yeah. And that will always be funny. 69, 69, 420, poop balls, number one, 9-11 was an inside job. Now, we may need to take that out because it was just 9-11, but it is a funny thing that idiots say. It's funny because idiots say it. Uh, And you know what is funny? Idiots, for sure. Idiots. Very funny. So part of the issue with this is the disconnect between the experience and the expression of sex just culturally. Uh, I don't know how it works in different cultures, but the representation of sex in American media and in modern media and previously kind of throughout time is definitely a male-oriented view that typically a lot of the time can objectify women as well. And that's not to say that there aren't a lot of amazing resources that are about like female pleasure. Again, vibrators should sponsor us. (laughs) But it's something that people generally don't think about. And if they do think about it, they don't think about it at length because they don't hear a lot about what the experience of sex is like for women. And it's different than what it is for men. And I do think that would be the best Freaky Friday thing to realize is I feel like that would promote world peace if we had a Freaky Friday where like every person, and this is assuming a gender binary, but if, you know, for one day I knew what it felt like to to come as a dude and vice versa, I feel like everybody would kind of be nicer to each other after that. They'd be like, whoa, weird, man. I feel like everybody would just, just go, weird, man, crazy. And then they'd go back to their lives. Uh, so number one, obviously physical 
repercussions from antidepressants are going to affect women as well as men. It doesn't make sense that they wouldn't. Granted, they're going to affect them differently, but obviously they're going to affect them. Uh, So the number one thing that I noticed, or the first thing that I noticed was physical sensitivity, which is in my experience, and I've had people tell me different things, like women, uh, because I hadn't even... I hadn't even really heard women talking about it. And that's that's a little bit weird because I talk about mental health a lot. I learn about mental health a lot. I'm around a lot of people who I also talk about sexual health and learn about sexual health a lot for, and from people who are um, really open about their experiences. So it's surprising that somebody like me who is not only in an area where I could be educated about it, but would have the interest and people would feel comfortable talking to me about it. Even I don't haven't really heard a lot of feedback about it. So I would love to hear that. Tell me how your clit's doing with your antidepressants. <laughs> Let me know. Just send me a picture of your clit and draw a smiley face on it. Uh, don't do that. That's uh, porn. So... <laughs> But physical sensitivity is, of course, the first thing that I noticed being diminished. And I would say the I and the thing about this that's one of the things that's really difficult about this is that there's also a mental component based on the way that you process your physical and your emotional experience having this uh, change in your body and the way that it affects your partner. Uh, I often feel really self-conscious when I'm with a new partner because the way that I have sex or the way that I react to physical stimuli is different. And I feel like I really have to explain myself. I really have to explain like, hey, my body doesn't feel a lot of stuff that it can feel. And I know the difference because I know how it feels when I'm not on this medicine and I know how it feels when I am on it. And I would say it diminishes my sexual sensitivity like 50 to 70%. That's my guess. And that's I probably going to be different for everybody. But I would say probably 50 to 70% uh, based on the dose I'm on now, because of course that matters as well. Um, But it's really different. I, my body just doesn't feel as much like there's a lot. And I mean, the only way I can kind of say it in a, in a classy way is to say physical sensitivity. Um, But it's like, man, really hammer it in there, go to town. I can only feel 30% of what you're doing. So you better get it in there because man, we've got a lot of work to do. You know what I mean? It's like mining. It's like, uh, you know, I know it's a good job, but you are going to get the black lung. So uh, you're going to have to make a sacrifice for this. And it's really for the family because, you know, I got to eat. So again, $20 and I'll show you my teeth. <laughs> I'll show you what my teeth can do. And then it's just me eating a steak open mouth. <laughs> $20 and I'll do it. But you also have to send me the steak. Uh, dinner with Lainey. <laughs> Glamorous. So I would say for me, it diminishes my physical sensitivity like 50 to 70%. And that's based on, you know, when I started on these antidepressants, I was on a lower dose. Uh, I definitely noticed a corresponding change with the dosage in terms of my physical sensitivity. And uh, it was really difficult at first to process the physical change. My boyfriend at the time never wanted to have sex with me. So he was like, this will be good. Now maybe we'll be more balanced. And then he still never would wanted to have sex with me. So I don't know what the fuck is going on with that guy, but he needs to figure his shit out because his, I don't know. I feel, which, you know what, if you don't want to have sex, great, don't do it. But if you are dating somebody and tell them you're going to do it, then that then maybe talk to them about what you're planning. <clears throat> that is neither here nor there. 
So I would say that my physical sensitivity has diminished a lot, uh, both in terms of this sounds weird, but I guess both in terms of like pressure and sensation, which now that I'm thinking about it, maybe, you know, kind of two different categories of feeling, whatever. I'm not sure. I'm writing a thesis. Basically, I'm in grad school right now and I'm teaching myself. And so anything that I say is on the rubric because I'm not only teaching the class, I'm inventing it. And then I know all the answers because I already studied them. And if I say something that's wrong, it becomes right because I said it. So basically, this is like having a cult for only me. So my physical sensitivity is diminished pretty strongly, and it also decreases your sex drive, which to me, I feel like is not as big of a deal for me because there are a lot of, I feel like it's more, and maybe this isn't as universally true for men, or maybe this isn't an experience that other people have, but I feel like it's easier to address uh, kind of sex drive than it is to address physical sensitivity because there are a lot of environmental factors you can change. There are a lot of ways that you can kind of plan for it. There are a lot of ways you can engage with a partner uh, in a way to, um, you know, feel closer, um, feel romantic, feel like it's a good time to bone, I guess. And also, I don't really have a lot of trouble with it. So I don't know if I... <clears throat> that doesn't affect me personally as much. Um, but the physical sensitivity is definitely way different. And, it, you know, it can be a real bummer. Because it's like, if I wasn't on these antidepressants, I would be so good at fucking. Uh, but also, I would be crazy. <laughs> I would be so crazy. And then, you know, boyfriends will always make the joke where they're like, oh, yeah, you, you know, you could stop taking it, but then you'd be nuts. And I'm like, you don't even fucking know. You don't even know. Number one, how how dope I could bang you. And number two, how crazy I would be. <laughs> I would be so crazy. <laughs> and I'd be avoiding my problems. So I'd probably want to fuck because <laughs> I'd be really anxious. So, of course, it's important to have balance in your life in most aspects, including uh, sex and your emotional reaction to that. Um, but I think it's it's really remarkable to me that it's something that I don't hear a lot of conversation about. And it's something that I don't even know as much about as I would usually for, you know, a similar issue. Uh, that being said, I guess the one other thing, the one other piece of knowledge that I have that in, with regards to female uh, sexual side effects on medication are that there are other types of antidepressants. And one of the most interesting ones is Welbutrin, which is bupropion. Uh, and the thing about this antidepressant is that it acts differently because it's not an SSRI, which is, of course, classic antidepressant. It acts on dopamine. Dopamine is what gets signaled when we do, uh, you know, risk-taking behaviors that light up our brains with pleasure. So like smoking, drinking, gambling, that kind of thing. Those release dopamine. It's exciting. It feels good. Uh, and it's, it, it's um, <clears throat> and part of the reason why we know this about dopamine and about Welbutrin is that they have, the ways that this interacts and that my doctors have told me that this will change, you know, affects me are very, very different from the ways that other medications have. And it's fascinating. So Welbutrin, number one, has been prescribed as a smoking cessation aid because it acts on these dopamine receptors, making it uh, 
a drug that helps people quit smoking because when they are their dopamine receptors are engaged in the way that smoking lights them up, it helps them to uh, you know, it helps deter them from smoking as much because they're not seeking that rush. That being said, there are also really different types of people when it comes to smoking, probably because of the dopamine. And this is something that I read in The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell, which is he essentially talks about social psychology a lot. But one of the things that he was talking about is the relationship between dopamine and smoking addiction. Uh, like I, and, and the way that um, studies have been, the way that studies have revealed the differences in types of smokers, because I and the so here's how I'll approach this. Wellbutrin has been used as a smoking cessation aid. It is chiefly an antidepressant. I was prescribed it for depression. Uh, it is has been excellent for me. I have had an excellent experience. It also has been uh, lauded in the past at its initial inception as a quote-unquote Viagra for women. How accurate that is, I'm not sure. But, and I don't know as much about the, you know, chemical side of that. But what I can say is that uh, the things they find about these smokers are that there are essentially two different types. So there are the types that have basically the gene or the mental setup or the, uh, you know, chemical in their brains that becomes physically, compulsively addicted to smoking. And I think we all probably have seen the difference. If you have friends who smoke, you've seen the difference. Because I smoked for six six to eight years, and I never was physically dependent on cigarettes. That's not to say that I didn't, you know, probably crave them, that they didn't affect my mood, that they didn't affect my stress levels, that the, that I didn't, you know, that they didn't change the spikes in my day, that I didn't plan my routine around them. But what that is to say is that uh, throughout my entire time as a smoker, so six to eight years, I pretty much at any point if I ran out of cigarettes, if I was doing something else, if I was distracted, I could just forget to smoke for a few days, which as we all know, if you look at the types of friends that you have, and so I knew I'm not physically dependent on this. This is something that is, you know, a great, it's, uh, you know, it feels good socially. It feels good uh, as catharsis for stress. It feels good as a moment to step outside. It feels good for oral fixation as a habit, as a way to structure your day. There are a lot of things that are appealing about it once you start doing it. Um, <clears throat> but I but I knew this is something that I'm not physically dependent on in the way that uh, some of the people I know are because some people you know and you just see them chain smoking an entire pack a day or uh, and they really struggle with it and I could just tell this is different because once I got to that point where I realized man I have been smoking for this many years and it's not even necessary for me like I'll forget it but of course when I'm doing shows I'm out at night especially if you're drinking like um it's a different experience. So I knew I wasn't physically addicted, but it's because my brain is different than other people's. So the same way that your brain chemicals can affect your mental health, it also affects uh, a lot of your habits. And, you know, uh, this was basically, I think, based on studies about, you know, nature versus nurture in terms of smoking. And a lot of it is nature because your brain has this, uh, you know, rush of dopamine that it's seeking and you become more physically addicted to it because of that. So, the <clears throat> so I had quit drinking and started taking Wellbutrin. So once that happened, cigarettes became 
way less appetizing. They kind of tasted gross. And I still kind of smoked because I liked the ritual. I liked, you know, some of the feeling, but they started tasting weird and being kind of gross. And so it was really interesting to experience that after having read about it and realize, wow, this is a really strange physical sensation that's actually definitely, I can tell the difference. And I, I forgot about it. And then I realized this is really unappetizing. I don't, you know, like, I don't like the taste of this anymore. I used to like it. And so I could feel, you know, my body's reaction changing, basically just because there was enough dopamine available that it was no longer appetizing or appealing or, you know, interesting to my body. So I quit smoking like five months ago or something, and I quit cold turkey and I haven't gone back. So very interesting uh, note about Wellbutrin, very interesting note about smoking to me. That was crazy. That being said, uh, you know, my therapist mentioned to me when I first started going on Wellbutrin that when it originally came out, it was talked about, there was buzz around it, uh, talked about as being like a female Viagra. I don't know how much that stacked up, but I do know that it has a different effect than SSRIs in that it typically uh, is known to kind of promote physical or like sexual sensitivity or sex drive, um, more which is very different from most antidepressants. And, um, you know, when I started taking it, I th- I think I did notice an, a difference. And I'm still on, you know, the other antidepressants. So it's, it's hard to tell because it is kind of canceling each other out. It is kind of counteracting it a little bit. But it it is um, really interesting. And definitely anything that increase arousal, increase attention, increase, um, you know, f- just physical arousal in general. So like alertness, uh, awakeness, um, performance. So things like Ritalin, those make you horny. They just do. Uh, so, and those are the meds that I take. So that's what I know about. Uh, I'm sure some antipsychotics definitely have sex- sexual side effects. Um, I'm sure, you know, Xanax does and they're, you know, anything that calms you down basically is going to be, uh, based on my understanding, the, the stuff that calms you down is going to decrease your physical sensitivity as well as your sex drive. And the stuff that amps you up is going to do the opposite. Um, That's what I found the case to be. I've also talked to women who said that they didn't feel like they had any sexual side effects from their antidepressants. So I don't know how much of this is personal and how much of this is a quality of the medication. And of course, side effects are different for everybody. But um, I will say that probably that definitively SSRIs, greatly diminish your sexual sensitivity as well as your sex drive. Um, I My life is definitely much better on them. And it brings up a lot of challenges that are difficult to navigate in terms of having a partner, in terms of having communication with somebody in casual relationships as well as long-term relationships. It's really difficult for people to understand and it's really difficult for to communicate to them, especially because most people haven't ever thought of that. Um, you know, and especially if you're dating somebody who doesn't know anything about meds and doesn't really believe in them and then probably hasn't ever occurred to them that they could affect, uh, you know, sexual sensitivity. But overall, I would say SSRIs, woo, can't feel your puss. Uh, But your life is better and that makes you feel your puss in a different way. (laughs) And that is all you need. 
<clears throat> okay. Well, I loved that topic. I actually thought about if I wanted to like read some books about it and do kind of a deeper study on it uh, or a deeper kind of investigation on the things that I didn't know about. And so that might be something that I'll look at in the future, but it's definitely something that I'm interested in. And it's definitely something I'm glad we got to talk about because it's something that people don't acknowledge, that people don't know. And even the doctors uh, don't, I mean, they kind of mention it, but there are a lot of side effects that you don't know are coming. And so I always ask a lot of questions because then they tell me all the possible ones and then you can really get worried, which is what I like to do. Just get real jacked up and worry a bunch. (laughs) And then you fuck it out, you know? So it all evens out. Everybody, everybody, if you feel like it, fuck it out. If you feel like you need medication, take the medication. Everything's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. You'll feel good. You'll figure out a balance. And you know what? You'll get where you need to go. Pregnant in a trailer, barefoot, cooking, spam. That's what I want for you. Success achievement, greatness, the plausible possibility that you could be Eminem's wife in the future. So that's our question for the week. I love it. Thank you so much to the person who sent that question and incredible. I love it. Yes. Best question in the world. Uh, And you know what? I think it's about time to uh, wrap up the episode, right? So I guess I should talk about where you can find me, how you can find me, when you can find me, and who I am. So really, who I am as a philosophical being. I've got a bunch of shows coming up, so I'm really excited about this month. Uh, This Thursday, I'm at Live from Mom's Basement. On Monday the 17th, I'm performing at Afterthoughts at the Laugh Factory Chicago, which is one of my favorite shows in Chicago, run by Kristen Benchek and Carly Kane. It is incredible. It is a roast show. It is amazing. And if you and uh, I help them kind of promote it, so if you want to get in for free, if you want free tickets, hit me up and I'm happy to get them. Um, It's a really hilarious roast and audience members have a chance to be roasted as well. So you can put your friend's name in the hat and see if they get drawn. Uh, Thursday the 20th, I'll be at Comedy Tub at Chicago Joe's. Friday the 28th, I'll be at Freak Fest, which is a fantastic show run by Megan Stalter and crew. And on Saturday the 29th, I will be back at the Laugh Factory. Uh, So I'm really excited about all of those upcoming dates. I'm working on a lot of portraits, a lot of artwork, and I am really super excited to keep doing this podcast. And so I want you to send me your questions. Here's how you can reach me. Find me on Instagram, itlaney, I-T-L-A-I-N-I-E. Uh, on Twitter, it Laney. On Facebook, Laney Lennertz, uh, L-A-I-N-I-E-L-E-N-E-R-T-Z. Very super easy. Just remember there's a Z and also I've got boobs. So you should definitely check it out uh, because I'm incredible. And I really want you to join me in thinking about not only your sexual sensitivity, but also your heart sensitivity, because we're all just out here Liz Lemoning, trying to get it right. You know what I mean? We're trying to buy a table from Ikea without eating too many cheese curls. And that is what the truth of America will be for the rest of time. So come check out the show. Hit me up on Instagram. Uh, Let me know what you thought. Let me know if you have any questions for the show. And let me know if you want uh, free tickets to a live comedy show in Chicago. I'm always happy to hook you up. Uh, This has been It's Lainey. I have been It Is Me Lainey. And uh, this has been our show. Get out there and fuck. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.